Hello, Calvary. Welcome back. This is a place to find encouragement, camaraderie, and practical steps for spiritual engagement among the Calvary body in this fellowship desert. It's also a place for listening to each other's stories, finding connections to our own, and learning from each other. Here's a quick recap from the conversation we're in the middle of, Robbie Madison's story. My stepdad and my mom, they went to seminary together, planted a church, so we became PKs, all of us. Oh, wow. And um, so that was a pretty significant part of our lives, um, especially in middle school. I felt like I was the kid that, you know, for other people's perception, because I was talented, people thought that I got all the attention. But from my perception, yeah. I didn't get the attention. Yeah. You know, I was like... I was like kind of the kid that nobody really worried about. And that, that actually has been a, a theme in, you know, even my music career. It's like, you know, uh, we don't have to get into that, but like, <laughs> oh, we but can, like, we got some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you can find a place that feels like home, that feels uh, restful, um, then you are free to be you, you know? Um, and not just like a you that you feel like society needs you to be, but like a you that is like, that is loved by the father. And so like, I think that that's probably the biggest thing for me. Like I, I noticed that a lot of, um, songs that I've written have to do with like just a great appreciation of salvation and a, a appreciation of like, you know, like the faithfulness of like bringing us through trials and tribulations and like, like that whole great is your faithfulness. Like that's, that, that's like a big, yeah, that's like a big theme. I think it's reoccurring for me. Um, like God is faithful. Like life is hard and it's challenging. We're going to meet new challenges all the time. But in even though, even though we don't know what tomorrow looks like, like we can lean on God today and every day and he will be faithful because that's just who he is, you know? So picking up right where we left off, here's Robbie Madison. There's a place for us So let all the creatures sing thinking as you were talking earlier about this idea and it's something I've kind of thought about before is this sense of you don't experience yourself the same way people experience you yeah and yeah. uh I think I've thought wrestled with that more and more because I I think I've noticed in myself and my personality I can bring kind of an intensity to kind of like relationships or conversations or sure. whatever it is. And I don't, and so then people pres presume the kind of like, Oh, he thinks he should just be, he, he, he comes off as confident and like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, just all the answers in every situation. Yeah. So probably assumes he should be at the front of every conversation. Right. And it's like, and now like it, I'm getting old enough to like see like okay now i can see why they would think that yeah but that's not how i would experience like i don't love getting up to the pulpit and 
preaching. Right. It's right. not like I would put myself right. and be like, I probably like I wouldn't look in a room and be like, right. I probably should be the one preaching. Today. Right. <laughs> you know, like I just wouldn't experience it. But mm-hmm. then when I do preach or when I am in conversations with people, mm-hmm. like I can, they can experience me yeah. as if that is who I am. Yeah. But that's not at all how I experience right. myself. Right. right? Um, and I think it's more than just like insecurity, confidence. Mm-hmm. There, there's something more than going on than just those two mm-hmm. like kind mm-hmm. of objective categories. Right. Um, and so I'm thinking about that relation to you where like, I felt like a lot of what you were describing was your gifting that you're putting out there mm-hmm. that people are seeing and experiencing and mm-hmm. interpreting that as like, oh, he's just has like, the path set for him, right, right? Like, right right he's, he's uh-huh. such a talented musician he's mm-hmm. I, someone asked me uh well what's robbie's personality like and what <laughs> i said i was like um i said he's easily he's easily kind that was like the like that was like the first thing i think i was like oh, he's easily kind because i don't feel awesome. like i'm easily kind i'm a brooder so, <laughs> like, you know and i'm like i just wish i was easily kind like he's just easily kind and so like, you can imagine like you're putting yourself out there to people as mm. easily kind mm. talented gifted and so then people interpret and make expectations for you based off yeah that. yeah but that's not how fit. you're mm. experiencing yourself right is that right is that fair? Yeah, I'll, 100%, 100%. But I will say that you are easily kind as well, at least <laughs> in my experience well, <laughs> so you. far. Thank yeah, you. like literally yeah. just well, taking care of Well, if people can only know me for a weekend, it'll be great then. <laughs> <laughs> I get that too, though. And, I, you know, um, I know that we talked about Enneagrams and stuff, yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah. of that oh. too. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, we can talk about that some too. I don't really know a lot about it, but I am very much into self-reflection, like, you know, um, and, um, I know that I'm a bit of a challenger and I don't remember how that fits in, um, because I'm a two wing three, but I can't remember how that fits in. Um, but I know that that's a big part about me. And I know, I think that's a part with you too, right? You're a challenger. Um, um, and so like a big thing for me is I love to see people just kind of come into who they are. Um, pushing people out there. Like if I see a talent in them and if it's something that I can help develop, I'm just like, you know, I, I never am the person that I think that this is a strength. I think some people might see this as a weakness, but I'm never the person to feel like I need to be the one to do something like, especially if there's someone else who's an expert at it. I was like, then if you're an expert, I definitely don't want to do that. You know, like, like I don't want to fumble around. That's probably, honestly, it's probably the three because I think the three is like, they don't really like Gee, doing yeah. things that they're not good at. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. I just realized that on this year. Cause like anytime somebody asks me to play uh, soccer for, for example, cause I get that a lot uh, with South America and stuff. I'm like, uh, no, I'll sit this one out. And so I had to like, <laughs> like reflect. I was like, why, why do I need to send it out? And it's like, Oh, probably because I'm not good at it. And I don't want to be like characterized by this, by how horrible I am at this sport, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I'm this, I'm the same way. Like, it's just interesting. Like, um, people, constantly are trying to put me in positions that I either don't want to be in or, um, don't feel like I need to be in or just don't, you know, whatever. Like I was, I've, I've been put in pastoral classes. I've been in like, you know, lots of those things. And I, I think I have a pastor's heart for sure. But, you know, I think in the human experience, we seek to define things so much. 
And so like for me, the natural path that people have for me is, oh, you're a Christian, you're, you know, you're a communicator, you are musical. So you either need to be a pastor or you need to be a full-time worship leader, you know? And it's like always those, those circles when really the Lord has like sculpted something a little bit different with me. And I'm completely fine with it. If I'm not listening to all of the pressures of the world, you know? And so, um, you know, but I, I've been in that situation so many times, like even speaking, like I, can now say <laughs> that I have a ability to communicate and an ability to speak, but I would have never said that until the past few years. And people have told me that so much. And I was just like, you know, um, it just makes me so nervous. Like, like even the last position that I had, um, at, at my church, um, a big part of why I was hired was for speaking was like doing, um, lots of like the sermon elements and reflective uh, moments and whatnot. And I noticed the whole first year that I was there, I got nauseated like every, every Sunday morning. And I was like, I get literally sick every, every Sunday morning. And it just, I didn't know what it was until almost a year later. Um, it was like, I think I knew that maybe nerves were a part of it, but it literally was a sickness. So I was just like, I was like, yeah, this must be something else. But, um, I made a decision um, later on because my natural tendency um, is, is is for you know with with flight or fight or flight if I go into survival mode is I prepare a lot <laughs> like I start making a plan and like that's that's just me like if I get in that mode I'm making a plan I'm you know I'm fixing the situation like you know harder. yes yeah, yes yeah. so I you know I took public speaking in college so I was like okay every time that I go to speak I'm gonna write down you know what I'm gonna say this is the story I'm gonna do this is the point I'm gonna make you know whatever. And I would still get sick. And then one year, one of my friends was just like, I think I'm just going to go up there and just speak. And I was like, I'm going to do that too. Let's just, let's just make a pact to do that. And so we did. And literally so many times, like on the way up to the pulpit, I had no idea what I was going to say. And I would just try to listen and open my mouth and start talking and people would come up and they're like, that story, you know, impacted me. Like one, I shared a story about the Oregon orphanage uh, at one point and it like struck a missions call within someone who like then pursued me about going to Argentina. We organized a trip to go to Argentina last year mm-hmm. to spend time at the orphanage and stuff like, you know, it was like literally like we would have like multiple services. Well, you, we typically would have like two services. So I'd have to speak at both. And most people will sculpt it and say the same thing at both. But sometimes it would just be different because I didn't have a plan at that point, you know, like, so I'd say one thing at one service, one thing at the next, service, you know, <laughs> and I just wasn't sick anymore. And it just like, that was like a, an uh, interesting thing for me. I was like, kind of on that journey, I think I was telling you about like, just really leaning into how has God wired me and lean into that. And like, there are tons of pressures that you might get from other people and that have the best intentions. Well, in a lot of cases, the best intentions, um, for you in other cases, it might be in best intentions for themselves though. They see that you can fit into that plan, you know, and, and whatnot. And, but it's really hard for me because the two part of me (laughs) really wants to serve people and really like 
and really will serve them over serving myself. Like that's my natural disposition. So it takes a lot for me to draw away and to pray and reflect and be like, what is it that I actually want? What is it that I actually need? Most cases I don't know because I'm so clouded by what everybody else needs, which I think is brings in that introverted side for me. Like, It's where it clears up a little bit for me. I find it so fascinating that your body knew something that your mind didn't yet. Yeah. You know, that happens to me too. Yeah. So I was like, how are you feeling like physically? And it's like, oh, oh yeah, (laughs) I guess I do live in a body. Let me think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. My, I have been doing therapy this year and, um, and my therapist, um, like one of the big things he's worked on with me is, is grounding meditation and um because i would come into the therapy session so anxious like um typically from schooling or like just a tough day with the family or whatever and like i would come in and he could just tell that like i was i don't know tweaked or something i i you know i couldn't tell but then he could tell and he's like let's just do five minutes of grounding meditation and and so he did that and he just he told me earlier in the year he's like one of the goals that I have for you is for you to become more aware of what your body is telling you versus just reacting. And I was like, Hmm. And I, and literally now like I can notice like different things, like when I'm stressed or like reactions to different foods or, you know, different things like, like now I can kind of tell some of those natural triggers that I didn't really know was there before I thought, I think, I just thought that was a part of the whole experience. Right. Whereas like your body is literally giving you warning signs like that check engine light, you know. <laughs> this is our story. This is our song. We're telling it slowly. All I've known. going to get a little timeline in here. Mm-hmm. It's been a fascinating conversation and, and really appreciate just some of the thoughts and reflections here. Um, sure. And I'm, I'm, as these are, each of these uh, stories are piling up as we're doing them. It's what I'm really appreciating is just like the ideas it's making me think about that I wasn't otherwise thinking. And yeah. so this is, I really appreciate cool. this conversation. Um, getting a little timeline here. So you, you kind of got us through high school. Uh-huh. Um, what did you do for university or college? Yeah. And, uh, I know you're in grad work now, maybe yeah. explain that. Maybe you can kind of do like, uh, college to Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. yeah. and give us a little bit of that. Which will be great too, because this will probably explain a little bit why I ended up in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people are wondering, but like, yeah, so I, um, I grew up obviously doing music. I went to a performing arts school for seven years and, um, my last two years of high school, I was in the Allstate jazz band as a solo trumpet player. Um, and so I was recruited by, uh, university, uh, well, Newberry college actually. And it was a small Lutheran college. I didn't know what Lutheran meant (laughs) at that point. Um, actually literally the first, uh, first day of orientation, the, the, the president was like, he was talking so much about Martin Luther. And I leaned over to the guy next to me and I was like, 
is he talking about Martin Luther King? <laughs> <laughs> is this Dr. King or is this? And he was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, That's it was awesome. definitely quite the enlightening experience for me because I didn't know a lot about um, yeah. history. Well, you know, biblical history and stuff back then. I just love Jesus, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, that year that was like right after my parents had split, mm. um, my, my stepdad and my mom. And, um, so I, that year I was really, really drawing to myself a lot, um, and avoiding a lot of things. Um, and, um, anyway, like a big part of that experience, I actually just side note, like I sat myself like last chair trumpet. Cause I just, I mean, I, you know, they didn't tell me where to go. So, you know, you come in the first day in the ensemble and I'm just like all these people who have been here before me. And I, um, I quickly within the first rehearsal got moved up to the top of the section. <laughs> um, and I just was like, you know, just little 18 year old Robbie, you know, like, um, like super shy <laughs> and, um, got plugged into a couple campus ministries, which was really nice, you know, and campus ministries there were super small, um, small, intimate. Cause the college was less than a thousand people. Okay. Um, yeah, it's tiny. So, um, but all the campus ministries were student led. Um, and so I was a part of, um, FCA, not an athlete, but I was part of FCA <laughs> and, um, and then another, um, just kind of interdenominational ministry that met on Wednesday nights. And so I helped to do a little bit of worship for that. And then, um, my buddy Jack, um, he was the head of FCA at Newberry and he asked me to sing, uh, in front of the athletes. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that, but, like, <laughs> but I, I actually, um, I did, um, probably like a week or two later I, I did. And, and we've, we actually still work together now. There's, it's been 16 years or so that we've oh, been wow. doing ministry together. Um, he's the one that works for the Texans. And yeah. so, um, and so that year I remember it was like, um, it was December that year we did a Christmas conference. Um, like a few people from, no, actually it was I feel like I was the only one who went to this conference. It was for Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, and they did like a Christmas conference every year. And um, one of the representatives that would come and work with our campus ministries told me about it. And um, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, and it was incredible. That was like the first time that I had been <clears throat> in a room with, you know, about 1,500 college students who were passionate about Christ. And I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> it was insane. Like, um, my mind was just being opened, um, so much. Um, so I went to that and, um, at that conference, I felt the call to missions and, um, I could tell the whole story, but I'll save that for another time. But basically what ended up happening, um, is I was called to do a trip, um, in Los Angeles, um, that summer. So I, I flew from Charleston to Los Angeles and spent two and a half months, um, living out there, working in the inner city ministry, um, with homeless, you know, ex convicts, you know, gangsters, all of our ministry partners with, with uh, a ministry called here's life inner city, um, inner city ministry of, of crew. And at that, <clears throat> when I, when I arrived in LA, 
I met the staff team um, there, and one of the staff members there was one of your congregants, Amy Brandt. Um, and so um, we became friends on that trip. She was one of our student leaders. And, um, and actually, I was just thinking about this last night. I think I was probably one of the only black students that, um, for anybody who's listening, probably didn't know I was black, but like, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I was probably one of the only black students on the trip. I remember we did have a Filipino student and we had a Filipino leader who I'm really, really, um, close to still. Um, and I remember Amy had studied African-American studies for her undergrad. And I thought that was so interesting. Like, <laughs> I was like, what did you study? You know, like, you know, like I had never heard of that before. You know, I was just like, I mean, I just feel like 18 years old. Everything for me was just so new, you know? Mm. And I thought it was just like, I think it was just this initial connection that we had. And I just immediately just kind of felt this support um, in this organization that was predominantly white, you know, um, and, um, I was used to that at that point I'd kind of been getting used to that environment of being like the only, um, minority or one of the only minorities. Um, but it was nice to have someone to feel like there was some extra support there. That summer was like really transformative for me in a lot of different ways. Um, huge, huge faith steps, lots of God stories. But, um, <clears throat> since that summer, Amy and I have kept in touch all these years. Um, and I've kept in touch with, you know, most of that, most of the leaders of that particular project too. We've had such a special experience. We've become like family, you know? Um, but I still reflect on that. I was like shaping my faith and shaping my spiritual experience. Um, so went on undergrad. Um, now I knew that missions had to be a part of my life, you know? So my, I studied music performance, but then I spent my summers doing missions and I spent the, the year doing, um, campus ministries and, you know, um, parachurch ministries. And, uh, I started a, a Christian organization at the college, like my junior year. I think this, I think they still have it, but, um, <clears throat> and so from that I graduated and my whole perspective was I was going to, you know, get a record label or get a record deal and just like tour and be self-sustained, uh, with music. And, um, so I was aiming on moving out to LA. Um, but I ended up taking a job in Columbia, South Carolina, um, as an artistic director as a jazz, of a jazz foundation. So, um, yeah, it was really, really awesome. Um, there was an artist there that we represented and then we would sculpt lots of artistic events around, um, basically around him. You know, like we wrote like a book that introduced kids to the performing arts. Um, and we had a South Carolina illustrator that illustrated it. A South Carolina writer wrote the book. Um, I was in charge of like doing the audio version and then the, um, live performance version of it. We translated the book into a few languages and I think they actually ended up went going back and illustrating me into the book <laughs> later, but like, cause I wasn't originally in it, but, uh, but I think they illustrated me in there. And then, um, and so that was a, I mean, that was a fun experience. And I was like, uh, if I, if the situation was a little different, I probably would have stayed, um, in that. Cause I absolutely loved, I loved getting the chance to work with the team and organize these music events. 
um, but then also perform in them and travel. And yeah, yeah. We brought um, Chris Bodie down. He's like a trumpet player. Um, we brought him down for a big old performance. And that was like, I was like, I have to be able to like help organize this. This sounds so fun, you know? Um, and then, um, but then after that, I kind of moved on. Um, I, I'd been gigging in the jazz scene. And so I continued doing that, but I just needed to do some different things and refresh. But then within that, I felt, oh, I, I like, I started feeling not like I was losing myself, but like, it was just like, I just felt like there was a part of me that I wasn't being filled up in. And I, and I actually remember like walking up and down Columbia and I felt like every homeless person was staring at me. Like I, just, I would say that all the time. And I was like, they're just staring at me and I can't do anything. Like, I don't know, you know? And so I called uh, my friend, John Don, um, in LA and I was like, I got to do something. And he's like, come work a trip with us. So I went out, I went back out to LA, worked the trip. And I was like, I'm just going to stay out here. Um, but I ended up, um, not staying, um, I don't quite remember why, but uh, moved back to South Carolina. Oh yeah, 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 I remember why, because that summer is where I got the call to go to Argentina that next year. So, um, so yeah, I came back and um, started support raising for a year with my networks in South Carolina, and then I moved to Argentina for um, for fourteen months, and I worked um, with a team down there, and that was another transformative period of my life um, as well. Um, I felt like I had a whole life. I mean, I did. I had a whole life down there, you know, um, between work and church and jazz clubs um, in Buenos Aires. And then, like, um, I moved back um, in 2000, uh, November 2012 uh, is when I moved back from Argentina. And um, I plugged into... Uh, my church, Seacoast Church, um, because I knew that they had a, well, I'd been there, like I started going there in high school. Um, so, I'm, but I went back because I knew that they had a Spanish ministry and I was like, I just was really not ready to come home. Um, and I was like, I definitely can't go to church in English. Like that's just going to be too much for me. Mm. And so, um, I went to the Spanish service. Turns out they were in like a, they were about to relaunch in like a few months later. So I started meeting with the pastor, the Spanish pastor, and um, and um, I ended up coming onto the team to help them um, launch, uh, which was really nice. Um, nice to have a place to plug in. Uh, and we started international ministry as well at the local uh, medical school too. And so it just gave me those missions opportunities there. Well, shortly after arriving at Seacoast, Elizabeth had actually moved to Charleston as well, like a month before I was and had joined that same, uh, campus of our church. Um, and we had a mutual friend, um, that, um, that knew me and it should I tell that story, that part of the story that, um, I told Johnny last night, this, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, in the planting team, I had, uh, a friend of mine named, uh, Nikki, and, um, she, she said, uh, to me after one of our planting meetings, um, she's like, you're, you seem really legit. We need to get you wifed up. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. Direct quote, direct. Quote. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like, okay, you know, and I've kind of heard that before. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's nice. You know, that you would say that. And so, um, she's like, I think I know who your wife is. And I said, are you going to tell me? <laughs> and she was like, no, I'm just going to pray about it. And I said, 
okay, good conversation. I'll see you later. And like, you know, and like a couple days later, we had a young adult service and, um, and Nikki introduced me to my wife, Elizabeth and, um, and who obviously wasn't my wife at the time, but, but I met her and, um, we, started building a relationship actually she nikki never told me this was a girl that she thought about that she was thinking about um but i don't know i think we just had that natural connection that i just kind of knew like this was something that the lord was trying to bless as a part of like you know even almost like sanctification process for my life too you know and um and so we built a relationship, uh, started leading worship for the Spanish ministry um, together for a few months. Um, and then they discontinued the Spanish service, but we plugged into the English services um, after that, um, started dating. And then Elizabeth went to grad school, um, to dental school, and um, we dated through dental school while I came on staff at the church. Um, and I was at a few different locations, um, um, leading worship and doing some outreach. Um, and then uh, we got engaged between second and third year of dental school. Um, then I moved back to Charleston. We got married, um, her third year. Um, and now it's been almost, almost five years since then, which is, you know, time just really, really, really flies. So, um, I I should know as we, the, Last question I think we asked was get us from uh, college, university to Elizabeth. Right. And as we got to the Elizabeth part, yeah. she has now walked in the room. So that it's is, good to have yeah. you, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, we and just started right. talking about Amy, start, Amy, Amy was part about of Amy the story too, because it started with college. <laughs> right. It went from, so you could have said Amy, from Amy to Elizabeth. <laughs> you know, it could have went that route too. So. That is so, so funny. So funny. Amy, do you guys want to add to the story? Because <laughs> we can have <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, So yeah. maybe you can just give us a little bit, you know, as we're kind of winding down here just a little bit of what you're doing now like what you, yeah. what's your gig now yeah so um for the past seven or eight years i've been on staff um at a church um mostly overseeing worship and um then the past f- almost five years um youth ministry as well and um that's been great I've learned a lot um through that um a few years ago i decided that i was going to go to grad school i had actually been waiting to go to grad school for a while but i um originally wanted to do grad school in a city where i wanted to network so like new york um broadway was a goal for a while um so um that actually just kind of went away a couple of years ago um but but yeah, I was looking at school in New York, school in Boston and school in Los Angeles, like one of those big cities and you know, any other thing I actually was off- offered an assistantship at a school in North Carolina. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Cause I don't want to work there, but we had kind of formed a life in Charleston, you know, and I could tell we were going to be there for a while. And, and I checked out the, the local program and found a master's of arts in teaching and conducting focused a little bit more in choral conducting, uh, which I do a ton of vocal arranging, uh, even at our church, like for a lot of our recording projects and things, I'll do vocal arranging. It's always been something that I've, uh, that I've done and my undergrad was focused more in instrumental, um, also in, con- right. in performance and conducting. And, uh, so this was, um, it seemed like, you know, it was, a a good fit because it was giving me 
um, more of the educational side of things, more of the conducting side of things, and more of the choral side of things. So it was pretty well-rounded and for a lot of teaching opportunities, which hopefully later on, um, not, not right now, but later on I will... Um, I'll probably teach in like a college setting or something like that. Um, and, um, so yeah, this, this gives me that, um, that, uh, qualification to do that in the training. Um, so outside of that, I just stepped down from staff. Um, I still lead there. So we're still a part of the church. Um, but I also, um, I'm an independent contract uh, musician and also, you know, worship leader as well. Um, and I worked with some, I work with sports ministries. Um, so right now I work, um, as a uh, worship leader with the, uh, Houston Texans and, um, I, and then also just collaborating with other church partners, um, that I've made over the years, recording some projects and, um, and then also doing music projects with, some of the local symphonies and jazz orchestras. Um, and I also started an artist development program called singers like us, which gives me the opportunity to use the music education side. And then also just pour into like specifically their artists that either are already performing already recording or, you know, that's their, their track. So they're like, very driven, very, you know, close to performance. Um, and I really love being able to pour into that because that challenging aspect of my personality is able to come out in a way like somebody's already passionate. So it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to create passion. I'm just fueling that passion and being able to like maybe push past some fears and anxieties and then like use some of the pedagogy to, to make things a little bit easier for them. Um, you know, accomplish some of those musical goals. Um, so yeah, cool. if, if that made sense, I mean, I know yeah. it's a lot of different yeah. things. So. Yeah. The way I answer that is I'm a pastor. And yeah. like mine's a, a little bit simpler than, than that. Um, two, two maybe last things. Um, one reflecting, so I'll say them both and then you can kind of answer them. One is, um, you know, we asked the question earlier or kind of stated the fact that sometimes people experience us different than we experience ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm curious, you know, as you come to the end of sharing your story to this point of your life, what would you want people to know about Robbie Madison? Like when they like, mm. who is Robbie Madison? as you would want them to know you. Cause, and I'll, and I'll clarify in some ways, mm. like we, none of us want to be defined by our worst day, Yeah, but we're probably far enough along in life where we know we're probably not fundamentally what we are in our best day. Right. Right. <laughs> so right. We're in that middle. Is yeah. like, this is really what I, how I want people to experience me. Mm -hmm. This is what I know about mm -hmm. myself. Um, so that's kind of one. Yeah. And then we're in the season of Advent. Yeah. Advent is obviously very deeply shaped by the idea of waiting mm -hmm. and longing. And yeah. I'm curious if there's, you have a story in your life um, where you've really had to experience this sense of waiting and mm. maybe you're still waiting or maybe you went through a season of waiting and God provided. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Two last things. Yeah, so some deep do questions. To, Those are good. Do, do we need? Do I need to repeat the first one? I know that was kind of long, but no. Just, I think okay. it, I think I got it. Um, so 
what do I want people to know about me? Yeah. Um, how to experience me? And then um, Advent season. Yeah. Is there a um, period of waiting? So um, I'm trying to think. So if I were to simplify that first question for myself, I would say Robbie is an imperfect human being um, that has been blessed and favored by the Lord. You know, not, I feel like it's all just been grace gifts, you know, not, not necessarily things that I've been deserving, um, but things that a good father has decided Mm. to bless me with, you know? Mm. And, um, and so I, I would hope and pray that when people experience me, that they experience love, peace, and kindness, and that they would have grace for me (laughs) and the discovery of my own imperfections. And that, um, that humbly that my art would be a blessing to them, you know, cause art is such something that's like the most vulnerable. Um, you know, when you, when you put yourself out there, it's something that's super vulnerable and, um, but there is a beauty in messages and being able to share that. And so now knowing like a part of my story of like the person that doesn't really put himself out there, it's even more, you know, challenging yeah. for me. Um, so anyway, I just hope, I always hope that people are just like blessed and you know, that they feel invited, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I want to say the story of waiting. I'm, I'm not really sure, but the fact that you asked that, like I was thinking about that this morning, I just did the, you know, I was listening to the speaker on the, um, Bible app this morning who talked about, uh, waiting as well and with anticipation, but also like, um, um, active waiting, like always being prepared and, you know, sharing the love of Christ with people. And, and I think about that. I was, I was literally just reflecting. I was like, am I ready for Jesus to come like today? You know, like, mm. um, and I think in a big sense, yes, I am. But at the, in the other, in another big sense, it's like, I really love my life here, you know, and I, I don't understand everything about eternity and what that would look like, but, um, it's a beautiful feeling to love your, your, your present and to have contentment. And I'm, I'm grateful for that, but I also am waiting, you know, cause I don't know. I, you know, like I think that every day is a mystery and I know that the Lord has so many blessings. He has so many things, um, in all the different aspects of our, of our lives. Um, and I'm, I think I'm a, just, I'm just a big component of like not trying to judge the future based off of the present, Um, but you know, I also am big on surprises. I like surprises. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, so yeah, I, I think that I am definitely in a perpetual state of, of waiting. Um, I think that I have hopes and dreams, um, um, definitely like a lot of musical things too, you know, like that I've yet to experience, but I'm also pleased and blessed, um, by what I have been able to experience, um, so I, I feel that I feel something in the future. I don't know what it is. I can kind of like see it, um, but kind of waiting to see that, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking in many ways, like this whole year has felt like waiting you know, yeah. for so many of us and those listening. I know I've talked to you as well. So I'm curious, like whether I know your schedule probably has looked different to some degree, but in this year of waiting, um, 
I'm curious just how the Lord has made himself known to you. It can be as small as like the trumpet part in this part of this song, or it can be like as broad yeah. as, mm. you know, the book of John or something like that. Right. It's a good question. I feel like it's happened, I mean, throughout my whole life, but I, um, I'll just share like one, one story that is an example for me. Um, they're starting to call, kind of flood back now, <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, I'll share, I don't even know if you know this story, Amy, but this is like, um, when I was recruit, well, I wasn't recruited, but like when the whole process of ending up in LA the first time. So, um, there, that first conference I told you guys about, yeah, right. um, there was a friend of ours named, uh, Juan Valencia and I met him at that conference um, and just randomly met him in the hallway and we sat at a table and we just got to know each other. Um, and it was really fun. Um, but later on in the conference, um, like, like I told you, I guess I was at that conference by myself. So um, later on um, I saw him again and he told me that he was speaking in, um, um, he's speaking, he was given a breakout session and it, he gave me an invitation to it and it said Pinehurst. So I took the little ticket. I just put it in my pocket. Um, and so, um, when I really felt called to missions, um, I prayed, I was like, I don't have any direction of like, I was like, how do you know where you go? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, but I looked at the screen with like all the cities on there and, and I just like prayed about where he would call me. And for some reason, what, popped out was Los Angeles. And I was like, in my mind, that was just so like far from what I would have thought <laughs> like he would, you know, um, ma mainly because my only context for Los Angeles was like the entertainment industry, I think at the time. And my only context for missions at the time was, um, growing up, like we would go to the projects, you know, like we would serve the poor. We, you know, I'd never done like international or anything like that. Um, didn't really grow up with youth group or anything. Um, and so, um, later on I felt this call, but I didn't do anything about it because I didn't have any money. Um, so I couldn't even afford the application fee and I didn't want to ever ask for anything. Um, that was like a huge thing. Um, and I, I think that was like a value that my family had like kind of I don't know if they meant to instill that, but that was definitely a big something that we dealt with. And so, um, I kept in touch with Juan, like we would talk like, you know, a couple times a month on the phone. I remember I was driving back to Charleston and, and he called me and we we're just chatting, catching up. And he was like, have you thought about doing a summer project? And I was like, Oh my gosh, Juan, I can't believe you just asked me that. Like, I was like, I've been toiling with this for months, but like, I was like, um, I was like, yeah, I really feel led to go to Los Angeles this summer. And, um, but I can't even afford the, the application fee, you know, and I was just like talking to him as a friend. I don't even, I don't even think I knew he was on staff or anything, you know, but like, he was like, that's so crazy. And I was like, why? He's like, I'm working the Los Angeles summer project. Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. I was like, I thought you were working the Pinehurst summer project. He was like, no, that was the name of the room that the breakout session was in, you know? And so he was like, let me call you right back. And he called um, another friend, John Don, who then sent like a, a paper application. He's like, we can waive the fee if you just fill this out on paper, you know? So we did that. And, um, 
I got accepted. Um, and then it was like raising the support and it just was like, I can't do this. I literally couldn't ask for the application fee. How am I going to ask for however many thousands of dollars that it takes to do this, this summer project, you know? And, um, I wrote, I sent out like 40 letters, which now I know was not a lot, but it was a lot for me. <laughs> and then <laughs> I think only two of them was like, were answered. And <laughs> one of them was answered by, um, let's see. Yeah, there was only two that were responded to, but one of them, this lady, uh, a friend's mom, uh, a friend of mine's mom, she took it to her church, um, who then she showed it to the pastor and the pastor had me come and lead worship at the church and they took up a love offering. And then I also did like a benefit concert at another church and I sent out all these invitations and had these musicians there and um, only like 17 people came to it. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, whatever, we're just going to, we're just going to worship, you know? And so, so we took up a love offering of that too, but I was just like, whatever, the Lord will figure, you know, like he'll, he'll make a way. And I got home and started counting the money. And like, I literally had almost made the whole support goal in one day, like from leading worship that morning to the support concert, you know? And then, um, I just had to like raise like a, a little bit more or whatever. And I was, it was just like one of those first moments of missions, like, you know, just like step out on the call and like watch God provide for that. And I think along the way, like I've just always developed this assurance that I knew that he was there. I knew that he was in it. You know, um, I have a, I have actually a lot of crazy stories too that, um, but like, it's just the same thing, like of God just providing in, in really crazy ways, letting me know that he's there. Yeah. yeah. Present with you. Yeah. Every step of that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Robbie, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning and to sharing yeah. your story. I feel like um, one of the best gifts we can give people in some way is just openness to sharing our stories. Yeah. And so um, our congregation, our church family will be hearing this. So you're uh, leading worship this weekend. Yeah. Um, and this podcast should come out on Tuesday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be able to listen to the part one in yeah. between the worship service on Sunday and then the lessons and carols on so Friday. Awesome. So I think that'll just be a sweet opportunity for them so to awesome. learn a little bit more about you in between the two services. So, yeah. Um, really, again, thankful for you um, joining us this morning and I've had a great time um, this weekend getting yeah. to know you and Elizabeth better. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. So this brings us to the end uh, for those of you uh, listening in. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us again for This is Calvary and hope you are uh, surviving this. We're going to make it through this pandemic and um, also uh, just hope you're enjoying the stories and learning more about different people. And sometimes it's family members and sometimes it's friends of the family mm-hmm. coming in and joining our podcast <laughs> this time with Robbie. So thank you for joining us and uh, until next time. Bye.